Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Dark Side of the Full Moon. I am here today with actually a part of our post-production team for Dark Side of the Full Moon, the documentary, Camille Getchell. Hi, Camille. How are you? Oh, good, Jennifer. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's so excited to so exciting to see you. Um, I know it's so interesting because when you were part of our post production team, you were not yet a mom, um, and so you know we were going through this whole documentary, and you know you were hearing all these stories from moms and all these things going on, and then you know you become a mom and start experiencing some of those things that those moms were telling us on camera. And so I'm excited that you're here today to kind of share those experiences specifically, um, you know, going through these beginning phases of motherhood during COVID, um, which I know just from hearing from the moms that I, uh, you know, am in touch with that it's, it's very, very isolating and difficult and that you've had some really interesting, um, kind of uh, interactions with the medical community, which I think we'll probably get into a little bit too. So I'm going to let you start your story wherever you feel comfortable. It is completely up to you. Um, And then we'll just go from there. Sound good? Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, first of all, um, to your point, yes, I worked on Dark Side of the Full Moon. I didn't, I don't even think I had a boyfriend at the time. So no consideration of having kids, but it was a huge eye opener for my first pregnancy. And I made sure my husband watched the documentary. And to this day, my husband um, mentors new dads and says, hey, listen, one of the most important things you know when that baby arrives is your job as the dad is to take care of that mom. And if you see her sinking or any signs, like you gotta, you gotta get her before she really like can fall really deep into this stuff and so it's been really it's it's really cool just to see how the resource um is still applicable today for moms and dads and and I'm happy that my own husband is also mentoring dads as well yeah that's I didn't know that that is fantastic I love that yeah (laughs) um no I I can't believe how relevant this film still is which is also really disheartening um we worked on this movie what year uh, 2014 and 15. 2014. Thank you. Um, okay. A lifetime ago. Yes. My first child in 2018, uh, everything went great. Um, my husband was so nervous as in get postpartum depression that he actually quit his full-time job just to be there for, um, for me and the baby. So it was great. It was such a special experience. It was like the three of us for a few months 
And fast forward, um, I got pregnant in 2019 with my second. And so as we all know, uh, quarantine lockdown shut down in March, 2020, 2020. Mm -hmm. And that's right when I went on my, uh, that the leave right before you give, you deliver. So I ended up delivering, um, my baby in May. So right during the lockdown and, um, very different experience with the second one as mom, as families who have more than one kid know. Um, but then (laughs) have we done it during COVID, uh, the feelings of anxiety, knowing that you're going to go into the hospital, not knowing what the hospital system's going to be like, like with COVID, uh, getting wheeled in, wearing a mask, um, being told that I was, when I went into labor, I got left in the triage room and they were doing the COVID test. And a, a funny story, they do, yes, yeah, so they do a COVID test while you're in labor, like having contractions. And you know how in the early days, they didn't know how to administer it. And they used to stick it up, like almost to your brain, right? Mm-hmm. And like, so I'm like having these contractions and then she's like sticking it up there and like twirling it around. And I was just like, I was just one moment away. I was just going to punch her in the face because I was like, okay, now you're like, literally like you're killing me. Yeah. So, but anyways, funny story was before they got the COVID test back, the results, because I think it was like an hour wait, they wouldn't let me move into a delivery room. But then when the nurse checked me, she's like, oh, you're like in labor. So we actually have to physically move you. So it was like this whole thing where they're like, you have to put the mask back on going through the hallway. So it's just like this uh, over uh, like an additional adrenaline, you know? Oh, and then I was like, I was like, oh my God, do I have to put my mask back on? And I'm like delivering the baby. And I think they like told me to put the mask on. And I kind of like told someone to like, get out of my way. I was like, you take your mask. And I threw it at them. I was like, no, I'm not delivering. Like I'm having hardcore contractions. Everyone get the hell out of my way. Uh, okay. I didn't mean to go into my labor story, but yeah, so that was COVID labor. And then, um, and then coming home, So like I said, with my first baby, I never really, I didn't have the opportunity to really go. Well, no, that's not a fair thing to say. I didn't experience postpartum depression. Let's just say that. Although I was very aware of what it was, but this time around, um, so no grandparents came to visit. Uh, It was in the heart of COVID before vaccines. And, um, and it was a new peak was coming up. I'm in California and California was one of those States that was very like shut down quarantine. And um, so even my own grandparent, uh, my own uh, in-laws didn't feel comfortable to come over, especially with a new baby. And so we had no support. Uh, we had no visitors. No, no one was doing the meal drop-off parties like they did, you know, with other like new moms because everyone was locked in their homes and was so freaked out. The last thing you're thinking about is someone that just like delivered a new baby and Anyway, so that was really hard, as you guys can imagine, um, just that additional isolation and kind of just like no one really like checking in on you. Anyways, and my husband had started a new job and because he was so new in his job in COVID, uh, he, we, he works in media and everything went digital and he, he runs the digital team. So his job responsibility like tripled overnight and um, he basically didn't get to take um put any kind of like time off. Obviously he was home, but it wasn't the same. So he ended up working that like first week, you know, which is like such an important bonding time for the parents and 
and it was really hard. Um, we had my toddler. So I have a, at that time, my son was two. So he was home full-time with us and my husband was working full-time and we had a new baby and, um, you know, (laughs) I don't like to be totally honest. Like, I don't even know how we got through those months. Like when I was thinking about this interview, like there's part of me that when I think postpartum, there's this blank slate of, I think I was in such a survival mode that like I, I blocked a lot of it out. And I think that it literally was for survival, you know, like I just got to get through this. And, and then about six weeks postpartum is when I really like kind of started, I'm just gonna say slip, fall into the dark side um, and, or sink maybe is a better word. And that's when I started. So my postpartum uh, depression, uh, biggest symptom was rage. I had the postpartum rage. Uh, I didn't know about the rage. Uh, I'd never experienced it, anything like this in my life. Uh, The best way to describe it is like the Hulk from Avengers. I would literally go from being, I would turn into the Hulk in like a split second. And it didn't take much. It did not take much to trigger me. If the baby was crying and I couldn't settle him, I, I would, I just remember, like, I would feel it. It was like, my body would just like start clenching. Like I was just like, Ex- like ripping the clothes off my body of just transforming so into the incredible. Yeah. Body, and yeah, then I yeah. would lose my, sh- I would lose myself. And, and there were times and the rage would, it started with screaming where I would just scream at the top of my lungs. Cause I was just like, so frustrated and overwhelmed and just like was out of my own skin and out of my own body. And then over the months, the rage got worse and it turned into like, physical where I would like physically punch a wall and oh I feel so weird I don't want any of my family to hear this but anyways it's all good um there's still holes all over our house of me literally slamming the door our drywall is a little bit ruined I feel so weird to say this out loud. <laughs> hey, well, you um, only say what you're comfortable with, but I, I, I mean, well, here's the thing. Most of us have seen the Avengers. We know what the incredible Hulk does. <laughs> so, you know, I just see you turning green and like, you know, in the house and, 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 and when we've heard women talk about rage, it really is so, um, awkward because many of obviously almost probably a hundred percent have never acted that way yeah. before we weren't violent people who punched walls and, yeah. and things like that and and when that happens and it's even not even like gradual like you said it's like the flip of a switch yeah. um is very scary so i completely understand your hesitancy you know to talk about it and how weird it, it it sounds to say it you know out loud as well so remember only share what you're comfortable with it's totally fine. yeah no okay. <laughs> i'm happy to share because i've been part of a lot of postpartum um groups like new moms groups and i remember like all i'm kind of open to talk about this stuff and i would talk about that my symptom was rage and they're like i could see a few moms be like oh yeah like i have rage too and yeah i think it's not like I think most people think of postpartum depression as depression. Like I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like crying uncontrollably and like, I can't get out of bed and like, I'm not motivated. I'm not bonding with my baby. So I actually, I did feel bonded with my baby. My actually biggest hurdle was my toddler. Um, 
I actually, there were months in that early period where I couldn't connect with him. I couldn't be around him because he was, he had two-year-old toddler energy and was so needy and so difficult. And um, just like the, the ups and downs, like I couldn't handle it. And I actually just like, I told my husband, like, I'll do the baby. You, you take the toddler. Like I can't be around him. And it, it, and it was a really like, when I got out of that period and I realized that I had completely pushed my toddler away because sorry. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> like I said, it's not a period I really think about or talk about Ugh. anyways. Um, you know, it's just, it's just really hard, but anyways, I want to like, just for other moms and stuff, I kind of want to talk about some of the things that I went through. Cause, um, Oh, sorry. <laughs> Take a breath. It's all right. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, so now I'm on, so now my baby's one year postpartum. So like, I'm kind of out of the worst of it now. So it's kind of like when you get out of it, it's really hard. Cause then you have to reflect. I mean, you know, and I know Maureen, you guys know, then you have to like reflect about it and like, kind of like you got to like heal from it. Yeah. Process it. And it, it's anyways, I'm like trying to find a therapist to really help me with it. And I got to tell you, we're, we're not even like getting into like the meat of it yet. So I think that's why I get emotionally emotional really easily. Anyways. Okay. Back to postpartum. So, um, so basically the rage went on from May, June, July, August, four months and I went completely untreated. I went to my, um, my OBGYN for that follow-up. I didn't go for a few months because of COVID. I didn't want to go into a doctor's office, but I finally went. So I went in like three or four months postpartum. And I remember as soon as I got there and the door closed, and it was just me and my OB. I just started crying. And I said, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like there's something wrong with me. Like I said, I think, I don't know, maybe like I have postpartum. And she said, and this is an OB that in my town is like one of the renowned OBGYNs and um, with over 30 years experience. And she said, you need to go find a therapist. And that was it. She didn't say, oh, maybe a postpartum depression, which to me blows my mind that you have 30 years experience and like are a renowned OB. And you wouldn't think like if a mom is in there like two to three months postpartum crying and says, I don't understand, I don't know who I am and all this stuff that you're just like, oh yeah, you should go find a therapist. Like, ah, okay. So that was that. And then, and I remember, and she didn't do any kind of uh, like, I think they're supposed to yeah, the, the Edinburgh, they didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. She didn't even say the word postpartum depression. She basically told me to go find a therapist. And by the way, do you know what happens with finding therapists during COVID? There's a mental health crisis and no therapists are taking new patients. And when you're sinking deep and you're crying and you're having a hard time, like being in your own skin, let alone taking care of a baby while you're just falling apart to get on the phone with your health insurance and trying to locate a doc. Like I was just calling therapist after therapist after therapist. And all I would get was, sorry, we're not taking new patients right now. Can I tell you like for all, if any therapists are listening, like if a mom is calling you and saying, I have postpartum depression and I really need a therapist, don't tell her, oh, we're not taking new patients. Best of luck. Like, 
isn't it like is it is there not like an ethical like um what's the word uh obligation or <laughs> to be like let me help you they would tell me and i and i would ask them i said do you know of anyone else that might be taking new patients no nope, everyone i know isn't taking new patients like you're proud of yourself that your practice is so busy good right. for you <laughs> yeah no, and, and you're, it's so true because that is the absolute worst feeling when you finally reach out for help and you can't get it. Yeah. Um, and people don't understand. And, and I would say this about any kind of mental health condition is when, when you're reaching out for help, it's urgent. Like yeah. it's already urgent. Like no one's yeah. reaching out for help you know, before they're symptomatic. Right. So once yeah. you become symptomatic, it's very urgent. And, you know, you know, even, you know, and hearing, I'm not taking new patients or hearing, yeah, we can get you an appointment about six weeks. Like that is the work you're like, I might not be here in six weeks. Like, yeah. you need, like I need an appointment like now. So, yeah, I mean, one of the, the bonuses, if there was any good side of COVID was just the explosion of telehealth and people being yeah. able to, um, you know, get treated even from um, medical providers in other states who are trying to fill in those gaps in those states that don't have a lot of uh, mental health services. So, yeah, so I completely understand that. So did you, so did you eventually find somebody? Um, I went through literally a handful of therapists and I actually specifically targeted people that specialized in postpartum, uh, mental, the perinatal mental, what is it? Perinatal, yeah, perinatal mental, mental health. Mental mm -hmm. health. Like the, I was like only going for the specialist and, um, and you know what? I actually worked with a few and it didn't help me. Um, and I guess what I was told was I was too far gone by the time I like found people for them to help me. So when I finally got a therapist, cause they usually make you get a therapist. And then, so that person's just like for talk therapy. And then you have like a psychiatrist. I'm not in Kaiser. So you have to like find these all on your own. And then like either a psychiatrist or someone that can prescribe medicine. Right. So I ended up getting a, uh, what do you call it? A um, psychiatric nurse practitioner. So different than a psychiatrist. And, um, and again, someone that put, specialized in postpartum stuff and had experience with it. And when I work, I didn't even work with her for more than a month. And I found out from my therapist that she told my therapist from my initial assessment that she really just wanted to put me in a hospital when after our first, I think, cause I, there was suicidal ideation and feeling completely hopeless and just like nothing there, just completely empty. And she was, you know, worried it is COVID. We don't meet in person, everything's telehealth. And um, anyways, and then, so we tried to do medicine, med medicine management, and uh, we tried an SSRI. But my biggest thing was I wasn't sleeping. And you know, like, it's like a cycle, right? So it's like, you're not sleeping. You have a new bait, like, I, you know, it's, it's so complex. So then they were like, we have to address you not sleeping because when you don't sleep, it's triggering everything. Right. So then like, so then they were like trying to put me on like really heavy, like sleep medicine, but now I'm breastfeeding. So then I can't, I can't just take anything. Right. Cause it gets into the breast mouth. So then the conversation comes up again about, you know what, maybe you need to stop breastfeeding. 
So then you have that as a mom to grapple with. And you're just like, well, like, you know, like I actually want to breastfeed, like, and I don't want to just like stop. But, and, and let me tell you that came up throughout my like uh, medical like journey. Whenever I was dealing with a new doctor, it was like the first conversation was, well, you need to stop breastfeeding because we need to put you on some medicine that's like not safe for breastfeeding. So they, so basically what happened was she put me on an SSRI and she also put me on a really heavy sleep medicine so that I could get some sleep. So this now shifted all of the nighttime duty onto my husband who mind you is still working full-time. So now my husband's working full-time during the day, a lot of responsibility and he's on full night and you know, it's the baby's still four to five months. So it's, it's wakes often. And I actually, the medicine they put me on, I would, it would actually knock me out for like eight hours solid. So I couldn't breastfeed in the night. Um, anyway, so I don't even know how we got through that period. Anyways, so we got through the period <laughs> and then I started having like some reactions and it was from the medicine. And when I called the doctor and I think it, it made me feel really depressed, like it put me in a depression, which they say is very common with an SSRI. You need two to three weeks to adjust to the medicine. So you feel like shit, you feel like you're dying. And now you have to do an adjustment period with medicine, right? And see if it's going to work for you, but it has to be like a bad adjustment before it's good. Anyways, a week went on and it, things didn't go well. And I was like willing to wait it out, but I just wanted the, the nurse practitioner to say, Hey, it's okay. We just got to get through this. And she, she was the one that flipped out and was like, you need to go to the hospital right now. And this was in September, 2020. She's like, you need to go to the hospital right now. And I was like, I was kind of like, cause I was depressed, right? Like I couldn't get out of bed. And then I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, bitch, you want me? Sorry. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, what? <laughs> I was like, I can't get my ass out of bed. Do you want me to pack an overnight back to go into a hospital? <laughs> and she wanted me to go to a hospital that was a two hour drive away from me. Um, and she said there, they have, okay, I'm going to tell you what she told me. Cause maybe you'll find it funny. She told me they have a program for moms and that you go in there and you get your own private room and your own balcony and they bring you food and you just get to stay there and rest and heal and recover. And there's gardens outside and you can walk around and just heal. And she said, and I said, well, what do I do with my baby? Cause I'm breastfeeding, I'm a new mom. She said, oh, you can bring your baby with you. And I said, oh, what about my husband? Can he come and visit with my toddler? This is gonna be traumatic for this family to just be split up. Yes, they can come visit you. Okay, so this is what I was told, right? So, and then she talked to my husband and like also pitched it and sold it to him. And my husband was like, okay, this doctor is saying that my wife needs to go to the hospital ASAP. So because it was two hours South of us and it was a three day weekend, there was horrendous traffic. So my husband ended up driving us, driving me about 30 minutes South of us and then putting me on an Uber. Cause it would have been, he would have been stuck in the car with two kids for like hours. Right. So he puts me in an Uber. I say bye to the, my family thinking that they were like going to come back down to see me. Okay. So now this is a traumatic story. Okay. Ready for this. And I I've told this story a few times, so I could probably tell it without crying. Okay. So basically what happens is I'm in an over and this is okay. Jennifer, you've got to remember, this is before the vaccine. This is like, everyone's got COVID people are dying. It's really like high stakes, scary. So like, I've never left the house 
I mean, after the hospital delivery, right? So like right. now I'm in a taxi, I've got the windows down. I've got like the N95 mask. I'm just like breathing out the window, right? Like I don't <laughs> breathe in the Uber guy's air. He drives me the hour and a half and drops me off at this hospital. And I was told my doc, okay, so the doctor said, I talked to them and they have a bed waiting for you. Okay. She said, all you got to do is check in. So I get there and this is a break. And I find out afterwards this, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, maternity, special maternity mental health ward opened up 10 days earlier before it was like a mental health. It was already part of like the mental health system, but it wasn't mom specific. So the mom specific program had just opened up like two weeks prior but it was COVID. No one actually knew what it was, what it was called, all that. So I get there and I was like, oh, I'm supposed to enter in the mom's program. Everyone just like looked at me side eye. They didn't know what I was talking about. And they won't admit you into the hospital. Like you have to go through the emergency room, right? So I have to go through the ER, which is where all the COVID patients are going, which freaks me out because now it's a more high densely populated area. And I'm like, like I'm standing outside the hospital and there's like literally people hacking their lungs out. And I am like, literally just like whatever the survival mode is before, like the one before where you're just like, I can't do this. I'm going to collapse, but I need to keep my shit together because it's all falling apart. That's where I was. So probably if you had touched me, I would have just exploded. And, um, so now I, I was dropped off by an Uber in front of a hospital, two hours away from home. I didn't know where I was. I'd never been there. And they won't tell, no one seems to know where I'm supposed to go, but they tell me I have to go through the ER. But when I go in the ER, I have to get a COVID test and I have to go do all of this EKG heart monitoring stuff to make sure I'm not having a heart attack and all this stuff. Five hours later. I have no food. I have no water that, but the snacks and water I brought and I'm breastfeeding and I'm like freaking out. Cause now I have the pump with me and I'm like, I need to pump, but I'm at an emergency room. They're leaving me in a ward with other people just like open. And I'm just like, can I, and I'm like freaking out. I told my husband, I'm like calling my husband hysterical. I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Like and then my husband calls the doctor. So I wasn't gonna, sorry, this story is kind of crazy. So I got mm-hmm. So my husband calls the doctor and he's freaking out. Why the fuck would you send my wife into this situation considering her condition and rip her away from her family? Like what kind of, do you know what she doctor does? She hangs up on my husband. And when he tried to call back, she won't take his calls. And then she called me. I didn't know about this. She calls me and she goes, someone's coming to get you. You're going to be fine. And then she hung up and I never talked to her again. She just decided she didn't want to take care of me, which I think is a little bit of like a ethical issue that you can't just drop someone that's having a mental health crisis. And I'm pretty sure you can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) So she like literally abandons us. And this guy comes and says, I'm going to take you into this mom's thing. Okay. So he helps me get through the ER system. He helps me get my own room so I can pump. And then, so like I told you five hours later, I don't have any food. I was like, I'm freaking out. I need to eat, I'm breastfeeding, I'm hungry. They come with a, what are those things that they, they transfer you into the hospital? Uh, they put you in a bed. So they have to oh, do like an ambulatory. Kind of thing? 
Yes. So they put me in one of those, bed me away into an ambulance to transfer me to the mental ward. Guess what? They don't drop me off into this garden of Eden that was described to me. They drop me off in the most highly, um, I don't know the correct terminology. It's the most um, severely ill for, for mentally ill people. They drop me off there. And all of a sudden, like pull me in with, in the turn, in the gurney, is that what they call it? The gurney, yeah. Yes. And then they say, this is your room. And they drop me off. And I see men walking in the hallway, pacing, shaking. Uh, I see a guy banging his head up against the wall in the corner and everybody was like side giving me like a weird look. And I like, it was just like the breaking point for me. Like I just started, that's when I like lost it. I just was like freaking out and they left me in this room and they said, I wasn't allowed to lock the doors and there was a window. So people could look in at all times. There was no curtain. So there was no privacy. And I was like, I started freaking out. I was like, I need to get out of here. And then so I made myself basically look like I needed to stay there because I started freaking out. And I was like, and then I used the F word. They don't like that in mental wards. So I was like, I need, there was a fucking mistake. I need to get the fuck out of here. And they, the guy, the guy that was running the program that night came up to me. Oh, he wasn't nice. He's like, you don't talk to me like that. And I was like, oh shit, this is not a good situation. Yeah. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, Camille, I know you're freaking out, but you actually need to keep it together because you need to get your ass out of here. This is bad. And, um, and I said, I need to call my husband. Like, I need my, oh, I didn't mention this. They take all your belongings away. They took my phone, everything. They even took my breast pump away. So I couldn't get any of my belongings. And they took my phone. Thank God I know my husband's phone number. So everyone memorize phone numbers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I call, um, no, they wouldn't let me call my husband. They said, you have to talk to the treating doctor, but now it's 10 o'clock at night. And guess what? She's gone home. She's off duty for the night. But I was freaking out. And I was like, there was a mistake. I'm not supposed to be here. There was a mistake. I cannot sleep here. So because I made enough of a stink, they got the doctor on the call who's, knew I was coming into her program that she runs. And I was like, this, this isn't right. I'm supposed, I was told I'd be in a mom's ward with six other moms. I'm not supposed to be here that I need to get out now. So they won't let me leave because it's 10 o'clock at night. And they say, you have to have someone come and pick you up and they can't discharge me. So now they say, I don't have a choice. I'm forced to spend the night. However, they were able to transfer me into the mom's ward. So fuck it. I know I'm supposed to be talking about post. So this made everything worse. Basically, was what happened because then I had a PTSD experience on top of everything else. And they basically transferred me to the mom's room, gave me a bed, and gave me such heavy duty medicine that I slept until like through the next day and was completely non-functional, couldn't get up, couldn't speak. I had got I was completely like dead and numb inside. It was fucking scary. And, um, and then they said, oh, we're going to take care of you. I run the program. Like I'm a specialist in California for mom's mental health. And guess what? She was on vacation the next three days because it was a long weekend and didn't want to mention that the night before that she said, we're going to take care of you in this program and going to get you better. So no, then I had to deal with her, uh, person that was filling in for her. And that person didn't want to get me on medicine because they wanted this doctor to treat me. So they said, you have to wait three days. We're just going to put you on some stuff to get through 
this weekend. And then when the doctor comes back, then we'll talk about medicine, medical management, the management of medicine. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so then wait, what happens is um, then because I'm like in this, uh, they call it an inpatient mental health program Mm -hmm. that they have like all these uh, group therapy, individual therapy, uh, like all these different activities you're supposed to participate with. Yes, they're mandatory. So I was there sleeping and they come and literally wake me up out of bed and said, you need to come and do session. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Am I in hell? (laughs) I haven't slept. Like I'm, I'm just like, anyways. So then I, remember like dragging my body out of bed and sitting there and just crossing my hands and just looking so pissed off. None of the other moms wanted to talk to me. I looked, I looked so pissed and um, it was a really intense experience. Having worked on the documentary about postpartum depression, it was really interesting to be in an inpatient program. It's really good to have these programs. I don't think I was the right candidate for me. I don't I think it was a mistake to have, I think it caused me more damage than not having separated me from the baby because of COVID, they actually didn't allow babies in the ward and no visitors. Oh, it's just so hard because, you know, a program like this, it's just like so hard to separate the baby and the children from the parents. Like I get that it was COVID, but it just did not make any healing possible. Um, It just made things worse. So when you, so you were hospitalized September of 2020. So it's been like a year. Yeah. It's only been like a year. So this is all like really, really, really fresh. Um, so, I mean, with that being said, I really do appreciate you sharing it. Cause I know you haven't shared it on a platform like this before, but I think it's really important again, to have that angle of COVID, um, because yeah. And, you know, and, and you would think a place like that who, knows the power of a support system. Yeah. Knowing that their support systems would not be able to be there because of COVID would have something would be something they would take into consideration to try to figure out how can we how can we bring these families in here safely without, you know, spreading COVID or whatever. Cause it's that I mean, that piece is just as important as medication, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. I mean, it, cause that stuff's not going to help if you don't have that supportive piece from people that you know and you love and feel comfortable with. Yeah. Um and the and and by the way, there was no garden to walk around. We were completely locked in and they had this tiny little outdoor space and we were allowed to go out there like uh, like a few hours a day. And then it turned out that the um, the lock was broken so that you could actually like leave. Like you, like, you could actually like use the exit door and get the hell, hell out of there and run away. And um, and because of that, they locked, they locked the garden use. And then we were just trapped indoors. Nice. Anyway, so I ended up I uh, forced the discharge when the doctor came back on Tuesday. So I spent three nights there. I will say though, I will say on a positive note that I slept and it made me feel better. After three days of basically sleeping and doing nothing and having no motherly responsibilities, I felt a lot better. And I was like, I want to get out. I want to go home. (laughs) On my last day, they said, 
here's some recommended like psychiatrists, mental health workers that can help you. You need to find someone for yourself when you leave this program. So guess what happens, Jennifer? The same thing happens. They tell, they literally handed me a phone and they said, start calling. And I call and I call and leave messages. And these like psychiatric like groups, because a lot of these psychiatrists work in these group practices, like they were all full, like they're so bureaucratic and administrative. Like you have to do all these online forms and stuff. Then they don't call you back. Anyways, so I, so again, I spent, and then it's just, when you're just so worn mentally, it's just, every time you make that phone call, like it just takes all your energy, right? And then just to get rejection after rejection. And then you're like, I don't want to do it anymore. Cause this is like more debilitating getting this constant no and rejection. And then they're like, no, it's your responsibility. You need to find someone to help yourself. You're not taking the steps to help yourself. And you're just like, but I'm telling you that I can't like function and you're like supposed to help me, but you're putting it all on my shoulders. Like it's so broken. I will say PSI, I did get in touch with PSI and they have local chapter, uh, they're volunteers, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I did get one in my county and even another county. And these people are wonderful resources and they're the ones that are gonna help you. I've had both these ladies literally have been just being like, okay, let me make calls for you. Let me see who's available. And, and I'm really thankful for that resource because when you're struggling, like making that phone call is, then that's it. Then you're depleted. Mm-hmm. It's like running a marathon. It is. It doesn't have an end line. Like you're like, when's it? Get, what can I get some like a, award? <laughs> like, <laughs> like my award is just to make it another day. Like right. for anyway. sure. So when I got out of the program, they got me on some medicine. So I ended up working with the doctor from this hospital program through her private practice. Um, my recommendation for other moms is if the doctors that are already in a hospital system have very limited bandwidth. And I think if I were to do it again, I wouldn't work with a doctor from a hospital system because they give you these 20 minute sessions and you can tell they're not really present. It's very, you know what I mean? It's not, you're not getting really good care because they're just, they're already slammed. I actually connected with a therapist, psychotherapist that specializes in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders down in Southern California. And this lady, she actually did a consult with me for 15 minutes. Told me do an IOP program. I guess I'd say the first half of that program, I was still like a little dead inside Um, That's how I'm describing it. So less bulk, more like just not myself. And I remember Maureen said to me, because I said to Maureen, how do I know I'm out of postpartum depression? Like I got through it. She said, when you see glimpses of your old self again, like, you know, you're kind of like got through it. And it took like half the program. And then like all of a sudden, like I started making jokes and like was being like funny I was like, oh, hey, everybody was like, oh my gosh, you're so funny. And I was like, really? Because like, I haven't been funny for like a year now. Like there's been nothing funny. And I guess I haven't like had a sense of humor because it's just been surviving. And, uh, and, and like, I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm starting to see it. And that was really, really nice. 
Well, Camille, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know you haven't shared it on a platform like this before, and you're kind of still going through that healing process. So we appreciate it so much. Thank you for coming on today. Well, I just want to know when we're doing the sequel, The Dark Side of the Full Moon. Oh boy. I knew that was going to come out. COVID condition. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Oh, you know, it's so funny because actually I I don't know how often uh, Maureen gets asked, but I get asked quite often when we're doing a sequel and yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, there's certainly content to create one and more stories. That's for no, sure. I, I appreciate that you and Maureen are, are, are in the trenches and continually like helping moms. Now that obviously I worked on the documentary, but now having like gone through it, I try to ask moms how they're doing all the time now. And I'll tell you, almost every mom I ask that question will break down and start crying. Mm-hmm. And I just can't believe how rampant the postpartum depression has gotten during COVID and um, yeah. and how much people need support and resources. So thank you for everything you guys keep, continue to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We, conti- we continue the fight. So yeah. awesome girl. Thank you so much. Oh, Jennifer, it was great seeing you. Thanks you for letting too. me share. <laughs>